The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Very good morning, everybody. This is Squawkbox. Let's get into your headlines. The worst moves since March. The Dow falls nearly 7%, putting it on course to break a three-week winning streak and posting its lowest weekly performance in three months. The energy sector leads the losses and tech also reverses, ending the recent rally with the biggest of five names losing $270 billion in value in just one day. A resurgence in cases across the U.S. is uh, fueling fears, of course, of a second wave as the IMF calculates that governments across the world have already spent $10 trillion battling the pandemic. And the U.S. Treasury Secretary warns America cannot afford another lockdown. We can't shut down the economy again. I I think we've learned that if you shut down the economy, you're going to create more damage and and not just economic damage, but there there are other areas And we've talked about this, uh, medical problems and everything else. President Trump calls on the police to review the use of force standards, but stops short of committing to major reforms as Apple joins the fight against racism with a $100 million initiative. So very good morning to you. Um, I just want to start with something called the Hemingway Law of Motion. And if you're not familiar with this, go and have a look because it's something that a lot of market participants are revisiting at the moment. Um, Hussman uh, just put out their note talking about the incubation period we've gone through, but they reference the Hemingway Law. Dornbush, another economist, also talks about something similar. And effectively, the idea is that things happen slowly and then they happen very quickly and there'll be a few people in the market at the moment who are scratching their heads this morning as they look at what happened in the session yesterday and they they ask themselves what was the new information was it the rather indifferent messaging from the fed about the economy was it the cdc talking about 200,000 deaths from coronavirus What was it that broke the straw on the camel's back yesterday and burst this momentum we've seen for the markets and gave us this very weak close? I don't have to dwell too long on these numbers here, but what a remarkable pullback as we look at that down number. A day when you see the market plunge 1,800 points off nearly 7%. Very quick look at the uh, NASDAQ then and the the technical story uh, of the movement as far as technology stocks are concerned. And yesterday, you'll recall, I was stood at this very same wall talking about some of the gains we'd seen in in the technology counters that you see here, 3% plus moves, the NASDAQ through 10,000. And here we are with a very different picture being painted by the market wall. It shows you how some of those technology companies that have been very much at the forefront of the gains for these markets pulled back in the session. 
But I don't want to steal Karen's thunder. I don't want to steal Steve's thunder because they're going to jump in here and we're going to have a big chat about the kind of moves that we've seen in the markets over the last week or so here. And uh, I'll just put you guys on ice for a second in your respective locations because I just want to show our audience what the Dow and the S&P looked like across the week here. Because as you'll recall, every day that we saw the Nasdaq pushing a little bit higher we didn't necessarily see the Dow or the S&P also enjoying the same upside. And I guess for those who look for signals in the noise, maybe they looked at that performance across the week. They looked at some of that weakening tone that you see in the Dow Jones Industrial Average here. A narrow market measure, of course, of just 30 stocks representing the U.S. economy, but big stocks nonetheless. And maybe they felt in their water that there was something telling them that the tone was changing. Although, you know what? You look at the Lipper data, which I did this morning, which told you that stock funds took $20.4 billion last week. That was the most since March 2018. So you had to look pretty hard for the signal in the noise because there were a lot of other indicators out there telling you that American investors were still running down their money market holdings and they were pushing that money into ETFs or mutual funds because they got caught up in the momentum of the rally that we've had over recent weeks. Well, let me shut up at this point and bring Karen in to tell us a bit of a story about the technology. Karen, good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Well, we all know it was a stampede out of markets in March, but it was also a stampede back into the big technology names once we started to lift off those lows in March. And clearly the leadership has come from technology. What we've seen in recent weeks, a lot of retail investors also getting involved in those FANG stocks. So when we look at a pullback of 5% in one day, sure, it's sharp, but in context, uh, we're breaking a four-day rally. So we already had some gains earlier in the week. And we also had a stunning trading week last week. So a little bit of give back. In some ways, it looks more healthy. I mean, it was very strong to the upside. So a strong pullback. Well, in context, perhaps that is a better signal for markets in one way direction at this point. Over the course of the week, we are down just over 3%, which is not too bad. In again, when you take it into account the size of those gains. In terms of the moving averages, the technicals have been strong and bullish for this particular index more so than the others. We've been above that 200-day moving average for about 34 straight sessions. So now we're just about 5 or percent off the highs, but we did breach some of the record highs earlier in the week. We got past that 10,000 handle. We started a brand new bull market as we reached for, for fresh highs on the index, which is pretty incredible when you're considering the economic uncertainty out there. And clearly some of the big technology names are still wrapped up in that uncertainty. If you take a look at the advertising side of the market that encompasses Alphabet and Facebook, now, I want to get into the surge that we've seen. The 11-week surge is very similar to the largest gain that we've had since 2001, right back to the dot-com boom. So there are similarities in the size of that increase. The big drivers, where well, you saw some of the big movies on the charts before, Microsoft, Apple, Alphabet, uh, those stocks in particular have outperformed most of the NASDAQ. Amazon, Facebook, those two stocks have inked fresh records in recent weeks. So investors are very keen to play some of the new trends that you've seen the e-commerce side, more people ordering and consuming from home.
home, wanting delivery, not necessarily going into uh, physical locations first up because of lockdowns now because they're too concerned to go out there. Also, remote working has clearly shifted a lot of trends to the cloud, so that has benefited these uh, particular stocks. If you consider it the gains in e-commerce, 50% of those uh, gains have been in e-commerce stocks. Uh, some of the other broader names, PayPal and Skype, uh, sorry, eBay, I should say, PayPal and eBay. Also, video conferencing, that's been a new area where you've seen incredible demand around remote working, clearly Microsoft with its Teams product, but also Zoom Video, one of the new entrants out there for a lot of investors. Biotech, uh, many of the big names that are playing in vaccines and treatments, also housed on the NASDAQ. And Moderna, one you've heard a lot about recently, it's been a big gainer. Also, Regeneron, that's been a stock that's been very much one of the top performers on the NASDAQ. So the biotech uh, part of the market, a fairly big component also future technology, Tesla, it's had a terrific crisis. So many investors think that you're seeing an acceleration in some of those existing trends. And one of them is certainly in the auto segment of the market, uh, Tesla, one name to take a look at, Jeff. So that's just a look at what's been pushing the Nasdaq high. And maybe investors want to think about that and whether they've now got a buying opportunity on some of the dips. Terrific, Karen. Thank you very much indeed for that. We'd only be doing half our job if we only talked about the equity markets at this point. So, Steve, let's bring you in. I don't know whether you are a Hemingway fan, but of course, uh, what Hemingway reminds us is that that life is not linear and smooth. Every now and again, we get these uh, periods of heightened volatility, pullbacks, shifts in the narrative. It's been a bit like that for the bond market as well, hasn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm a very big fan of Hemingway. For Whom the Bell Tolls is one of my favourite books, Jeff, although the ending for that is, is particularly severe, I'm afraid, for some of the uh, protagonists in it. I'm not sure we're talking about the same Hemingway. Uh, just before I get onto the bond market, I just want to just say the other side of the coin that Karen was talking about. She very, very clearly demonstrated where the leadership has been and the pullback we've seen uh, in those extraordinary stocks to the upside. But I would suggest that the area that Karen has been looking at and that you mentioned with the Nasdaq as well, a very specific area of the market. And, and what I've been at pains to say to viewers for for a long time now is there are large tranches of the market that have enjoyed none of this rally that are still in deep, deep trouble. And I'll just remember, give you the, the latest data, stats, uh, data stats of the last 24 hours. Energy is now down 39% from its high. That's pretty bare market to me. Uh, financials down 26%. Industrials down 21%. This is very heavily in bear market territory. Real estate, utilities, materials and staples as well are all in correction territory. So absolutely, Karen's very clearly right in saying that some of these stocks have had a great tear to the upside and for good reason as well. There are other parts of the market that did not and have not enjoyed this rally. Okay, so Jeffrey, was it four or five days ago that you talked to me about a slight bear um, boom? Uh, a bond market uh, wobble. Uh, I think it was about four or five days ago. Uh, and yet, I think I remember you and I just tongue in cheek saying, come on, in the reality, we know it's the most underpinned market in the world, not only because of defensive flows, but also because of every central bank on this planet looking to buy treasuries as well. Well, that's back in some style. Let me just talk you through the curve at the moment. The two-year yield is now mighty, mighty yielding 0.2 of 1%. It was 0.214 a week ago. Five-year to 0.32 was 0.469. The 10-year, which is, of course, our key benchmark we look at, which you've got on the screen in front of you now, at 0.9 of a percent a week ago. Uh, now the uh, slightly ominous the figure I've latest got is 0.666. I think it's probably changed slightly since then as well. Uh, and the 30-year, what do you get for your 30-year paper, ladies and gentlemen? 1.4%. Wow. Jeffrey. Yeah, fill your boots at 1.4%. Although uh, if you've got that 
as opposed to negative returns in Europe, then maybe you'll be taking comfort from that at this point, as long as inflation doesn't turn up. Let's um, let's just uh, mention uh, some of the people out there who still think, as Steve uh, said, that the bond market is underpinned and that the markets are well supported. Jeremy Siegel had a conversation with our colleagues in the States. The uh, Wharton uh, economics professor still thinks that this is just a brief pullback and ultimately the Fed is going to support markets. The market sell-off, though, of course, has raised fresh questions over the valuations of stocks. At least two other well-known CNBC guests sound pessimistic about current levels. If the stocks are trading at 30, maybe maybe 35 times earnings, that yes, it's a bubble. Um, I mean, those sorts of valuations are really uh, historically extreme and uh, in all likelihood uh, end in tears. Markets always overshoot. We probably overshot on the downside and we probably overshot on the upside. So if you look at where we are right now, we've come back down around 8% or so from the highs. But we're still up over 35% for the lows. We're in the period where we're trying to find a relative fair value for equity. That doesn't mean they can't go lower and it doesn't mean they can't go higher. We're trying to digest right now what value should be. Well, what does President Trump have to say about this? Well, he's attacked the Federal Reserve for the first time in months. The president took to Twitter to signal his dismay over the central bank's grim economic forecasts following the latest policy meeting this week, saying the Fed is, quote, wrong so often. He added the third and fourth quarters will be very good and that the U.S. will see one of its best ever years in 2021, contradicting Fed Chair Jerome Powell's outlook. Meanwhile, the U.S. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin has told CNBC the American economy cannot afford another shutdown as concerns grow that certain cities are seeing a second wave of the pandemic. We can't shut down the economy again. I I think we've learned that if you shut down the economy, you're going to create more damage and and not just economic damage, but there there are other areas. And we've talked about this of medical problems and everything else that get put on hold. I think it was very prudent what the president did, but I think we've learned a lot. U.S. jobless claims fell to 1.5 million last week. That was better than the expectation. It marks the 10th straight week of declines and comes after last week's rebound in non-farm payrolls. Over 44 million Americans have claimed unemployment benefits since the beginning of the crisis. What are we set up for in terms of the Friday trading session then coming into the weekend? The future suggesting we will get a rebound in some of the selling. We will have a look at Asia when we come back here also to see what the legacy of the Asian session means for our European trading day. We'll be back. If you enjoy Squawk Box Europe, check out The Brave Ones podcast. The series explores the rise of some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. Through exclusive interviews with family, friends and colleagues, The Brave Ones podcast features stories of determination, resilience and ingenuity. Available on Apple Podcast, Spotify and Google Play. The Brave Ones podcast presented by Credit Suisse.
Welcome back, everybody. There's a growing concern that uh, relaxing restrictions is causing a surge in COVID-19 cases in the U.S. 15 states have seen infections rise by more than 25% in just the last week. NBC's Erin McLaughlin has the latest. Tonight, growing concerns in Arizona, where in the last week, COVID-19 cases have jumped a shocking 93%. We're seeing increasing numbers and we're starting to see some strain on our hospitals and our healthcare system. Officials warn this and other hospitals could soon reach ICU capacity, unable to treat the sickest patients. In Texas, where hospitalizations have risen for three days in a row, today the Austin mayor says he's likely to extend the stay-at-home orders due to expire next week. Starting tomorrow, statewide, restaurant capacity can increase from 50 to 75 percent. A mask can dramatically reduce the spread, according to a new study from Cambridge University. Tonight, the Arizona governor, seen frequently without a mask, says there's no crisis and attributes his state's spike to more widespread testing. We'll continue to increase testing in the state of Arizona, which will give us more sightline to what our situation is at the state level. We'll have a constant focus on cases and hospital capacity. Many health experts link the surge to the crowds on Memorial Day two weeks ago, which is the incubation period for the coronavirus. Dr. Ashish Jha, the director of the Harvard Global Health Institute, now predicting at least 200,000 deaths by the end of the summer. I had hoped that the fact that people are spending more time outside, that it's summer, uh, we would not see such a, a big increase so fast. But it's more concerning than I had hoped we would get at this point. Any hope of a summer vacation from COVID-19 quickly fading fast. Aaron McLaughlin, NBC News, Phoenix. Well, governments around the world will need to spend more to combat the fallout from the virus, according to the International Monetary Fund, which said further efforts may be needed to prevent a rise in inequality. According to IMF calculations, governments have pledged over $10 trillion in fiscal action since the beginning of the crisis. But the fund says leaders should concentrate more on investments into healthcare, technology and education, as well as helping low-income households and businesses. The uh, Asian markets then following uh, the weakness uh, that we saw in the United States, but nothing like the size of the declines. Let's get out to Matt and find out what's going on in his part of the world. Good morning, Matt. Hi there, Jeff. Uh, let's give you a look at the picture across uh, the Asian markets. And we really have seen a number of these key indices uh, turn around sharply throughout the course of the trading day. This is we've seen a rebound uh, in US futures. But at the start of the day, we were looking particularly negative. A number of these markets down in excess of about 3% or so. Australia managing to recover. Greater China markets just back from the lunch break. So the reopen there on the Shanghai Composite weaker. But we are only seeing some modest declines, only off by about a third of 1% in Shanghai. The Hang Seng down by about 1.4%. The laggard today, as it has been for much of the day, the South Korean market down by about 2.4%. This market's run up a lot over the last few weeks and we were down by about 4% at the start of trade, still off by about 2.4%. The Japanese market has about 45 minutes left in the trading day. The Nikkei was down by more than 3% at the start of the trading session. You can see now just off by around about 1%. And we have seen a weakening in the currency there, which helps out some of those exporter stocks. Now back at the 107 level, we were trading about 106, of course, at the start of the day uh, and overnight as we saw money going into the safety of the Japanese yen. The Australian dollar, though, the Aussie, a big mover, are uh, down sharply. Remember, we were really knocking on the door of 70 US cents uh, only a couple of days ago, 68.40. So we are seeing a pullback there. The Australian market 
We were down by more than 3%, off by about 2%. Uh, again, only about half an hour left of trade there. Jeff, back to you. All right. Terrific, Matt. Thank you very much indeed for that. Let's just revisit the oil story. WTI and uh, Brent weaker, as you might anticipate, given uh, the implied uh, weakness in the growth outlook from the Federal Reserve that we got earlier in the week here. So we've just seen some of the momentum come out of the upside for both of these uh, key measures of oil price. Uh, Let's have a look at the dollar. Uh, Where are we in terms of the behaviour of the greenback this morning? Well, the dollar fighting back on uh, the pound. We've dropped below the 126 level, as you can see here, with the euro holding steady around 112.94. The dollar up on the yen and against the Chinese yuan. When we come back, how did those safe havens do in the selling that we saw in the US session yesterday? When we come back, we'll revisit the markets, but we'll focus on some of those sectors and stories that should have held out against the overall weaker tone. We'll be right back, everybody. Stay with us. If you enjoy Squawk Box Europe, check out the Brave Ones podcast. The series explores the rise of some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. Through exclusive interviews with family, friends and colleagues, the Brave Ones podcast features stories of determination, resilience and ingenuity. Available on Apple Podcast, Spotify and Google Play. The Brave Ones podcast presented by Credit Suisse. Welcome back, everybody. This is Squawkbox. The headlines, the worst move since March. The Dow falls nearly 7%, putting it on course to break a three-week winning streak and posting its lowest weekly performance in three months. The energy sector leads the losses. Tech also reverses course, breaking the recent rally, with the biggest five names losing $270 billion in value in just one day. A resurgence in cases across the US fuels fears of a second wave as the IMF calculates governments across the world have already spent $10 trillion battling the pandemic. And US Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin warns America cannot uh, afford another lockdown. We can't shut down the economy again. I I think we've learned that if you shut down the economy, you're going to create more damage and and not just economic damage but there are there are other areas and we've talked about this of medical problems and everything else president trump calls on the police to review the use of force standards but stops short of committing to major reforms as apple joins the fight against racism with a 100 million dollar initiative Well, let's not make a meal uh, out of this uh, this half hour because you heard it in the headline. That was the sell-off that we saw. The big move was the 1,800-point uh, drop in the Dow Jones. Was it the CDC talking about 200,000 deaths in America or was it the fact that the Federal Reserve seemed, it seemed so somber and downbeat about the economic growth outlook? Uh, that's where we finished the session. But let's have a look at the safe havens. Did they benefit as a result of the selling that we saw in the United States. Well, you'd have to say there was a little bit of a a push into areas of security like the US dollar. The uh, gold market arguably could have been 
a stronger bid, uh, but didn't um, uh, enjoyed some benefit, but didn't get um, the full max, one would perhaps argue, from that downside sell-off. And uh, as we look at the 10-year note here, yes, we have seen a move lower in the yield, but that has been happening through the week, as we discussed earlier on. The Asian markets then are weak at the moment, but as Matt just told us, we have seen some improvement as we've seen that more positive call on the US futures. And let's just show you that board, because I think as we March towards the final trading session of the week here. It's interesting that the futures are implying that we will get a more positive start to the trading session today. But will people be willing to hold on to those positions running into the weekend? Uh, U.S. President Trump. Oh, let's have a look at the opening calls. Not on my auto queue, uh, but the director, you know, he likes to throw a spanner in the works every now and again. Adam keeps us on our toes, I have to tell you. But there you go. We are indicated slightly negative on these opening calls here. But I'm not sure that that tells us very much, in fact, as we look at that positive call on the U.S. futures and the fact that we've seen uh, just some improvement on those losses that we saw in the Asian session. All to play for. We'll discuss this in a little more detail a little later on, Adam, if that's okay with you. Um, U.S. President Trump says he's finalizing an executive order in the face of nationwide protests after the death of George Floyd instead of defunding the president. Uh, The president wants to invest in the police and promised a directive that would upgrade policing standards. We're doing it with compassion, if you think about it. We're dominating the street with compassion because we're saving lives. And we're saving businesses. We're saving families from being wiped out after working hard for 20 and 30 years. Meanwhile, a majority of Americans support sweeping law enforcement reform. According to a Reuters Ipsos opinion poll, it found 82 percent want to ban chokeholds, 83 percent favor getting rid of racial profiling and 92 percent want police to be required to wear body cameras. $2.6 million a day, that's what the deployment of thousands of National Guard troops to Washington, D.C. cost the U.S. taxpayer. The military mobilization was strongly backed by President Trump in response to protests in the nation's capital. A Reuters analysis of National Guard data showed the one-week deployment of over 5,000 troops cost about $14.5 million. The Snap CEO, Evan Spiegel, has defended the company's decision to restrict President Trump's account, telling CNBC in an exclusive interview that it's within the company's First Amendment rights. This after Snap announced last week it would no longer promote the president's content within Snapchat's Discover feature. I don't think there's been too much blowback. You know, we've always said Discover is a closed platform and we choose the types of content we want to promote on our platform. So we're well within our First Amendment rights to decide uh, what shows up on there. And, you know, in, in terms of our business and our community, we're very focused on our values and expressing our values uh, through the things that we promote on Snapchat. So I think it was a relatively easy and uh, straightforward decision. And we'll continue to try to create a Discover experience that reflects our values and promotes the types of content that we think uh, are important for our community to see. Microsoft says it will not sell its facial recognition technology to the police just a day after Amazon announced similar action. The tech giant doesn't currently sell its products to police departments. And Microsoft President Brad Smith said it won't until a national law is in place that, quote, is grounded in human rights and governs its use. 
He also added, it's not just up to tech companies to act, calling on Congress to take action as well. Apple CEO Tim Cook says he'll spend $100 million on a new company initiative dedicated to racial justice. The effort will focus on issues surrounding education, economic equality and criminal justice reform. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.